Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome. It is Monday, and that means I am your host, David Ubbin, and my co-host every Monday, Andy Staples, the Athletics National Writer. Andy, quite a week in the SEC. Before we get into it, let me preface this by saying that Football and Grits holds no financial responsibility for whatever happens in the next 30 seconds, but I'll ask you a question should Alabama and Georgia fans just go ahead and buy their tickets, make their hotel reservations, and begin assembling their plans to uh, have socially distanced meetups in Atlanta around, say, two months from now? No. No, because this is, this is all potentially going to get weird. We watched a Big 12 weekend. We watched a Big 12 Saturday. Like, I didn't know I was on a Big 12 podcast, but apparently I am. <laughs> like, the only team that played great defense was Kentucky stopping the air raid, holding it to zero. Well, the air raid got zero points. Mississippi State's defense did score two. But, yes, nobody's playing any defense. Well, maybe Georgia. Georgia-Tennessee felt like the most conventional result of mm-hmm. Saturday. But, And I say this, and I, I don't want people to think that I'm making fun or that I'm mad or that I want 9-6 overtime games or 3-2 games back in the SEC because I don't. I was highly entertained by what I saw on Saturday. I just think it's funny because you've had SEC people chirping at Big 12 people. Well, that ain't football. That's flag football. <laughs> hey, well, I would just, we would just have two-hand touch. Well, look like two-hand touch out there in the SEC. So, But that's, that's what this is. I mean, the offenses are getting pretty good. You've got some pretty good offensive minds in the league now, and the defenses are going to be stressed. And I think you saw that. And you also saw how things can be kind of cyclical. There are years where the defenses are better and years where the offenses are better. Well, this is one of those years, especially because of the pandemic, where if you've got some experienced offenses that know what they're doing, the defense is going to have a hard time catching up. Very, very true. Well, thank you guys for subscribing. Uh, Leave us a review. Give us a five-star rating. It helps get the word out. Maybe we need a crossover episode with uh, One True Pod, our, our Big 12 podcast. Uh, also, you can listen to the Andy Staples podcast. Andy, uh, you're there every week. Uh, plenty more college football talk uh, outside of the football and grits Um We got a full week yeah, of content. We, we, we're going to change the name of the Andy Staples show to uh, to football and mayonnaise. <laughs> I don't know if you if you have not seen the clip of Andy uh, trying and failing to consume a. Let's just. That was a ladle of mayonnaise. That was not a spoonful of mayonnaise. That was a full but it wasn't ladle. A full, it wasn't a full <laughs> version of that shovel-sized spoon. So it really probably was about a, a heaping tablespoon. But trying and failing is exactly the right description. The second 
it hit my taste buds. My gag reflex kicked in. My body protected me from the devil's pomade. <laughs> we, and I want to thank my body for that. We need to put that on YouTube as a try to finish this video challenge because I failed. I could not get through it. I could not get through it. But we got a full week of content, either. mayo-free content on football and grits. Uh, I had some grits last night, uh, actually. And then, uh, you know, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com backslash grits. You can read Andy's stories. You can read my stories. You can read our entire SEC college football coverage and the rest of our coverage from the 400-plus writers. Plus, you can hear football and grits ad-free. And, of course, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Andy, it's Monday. we got some awards to hand out. But before we get into the uh, hardware, uh, we got to look at a quick hard knock for uh, Mr. Sam Pittman. Uh, what did you make of the spike heard around the South from Bo Nix? Well, they blew the call, and, and part of the way they blew the call was blowing the whistle. You know, one of the, the things they said in their statement, the SEC officiating statement that went out on Saturday night was they blew the whistle and there was no immediate recovery. And there wasn't an immediate recovery because there was kind of like a Benny Hill skit going on with the ball. And, <laughs> but if you watch, there's an, Arca- an Arkansas player dives for it. And, and it kind of pushes it. And there's an Auburn player that's about to go pick it up. And then there's an official coming in, blowing the whistle over and over again, making the incomplete pass signal. And then the Auburn player kind of backs off. An Arkansas player picks it up. So if you're Arkansas, you're going, wait, our guys were trying to recover it immediately and then recovered it as quickly as possible. So you're basically admitting you blew that call. I, I don't. I understand where the officials are coming from. I have a hard time being too hard on them. I've done the try to officiate the Georgia spring game deal, mm-hmm. and it's really tough. There's a lot of things you're not thinking about. And I guarantee you something you're not thinking about when you, if you're an official. When you watch Bo Nix make the I'm going to clock this signal, and then he, bu- he fumbles the snap, but then he still cl- attempts to clock it, you're not thinking, is he facing forward or backward when he clocks it? Yeah, I've never like, seen a backward spike. It's just, it doesn't go through your mind. No, and I think I, I get it. You know, you want to try and, and and keep safety in mind. So it's it's easy to say, well, just don't blow the whistle, let it play out. But like, no one's thinking that's a fumble live. It, it's it's they it's do just say one that though. Things. I mean, when yeah. the officials talk, when they have their their conven- you know, their, their workshops and everything, they do say try not to blow the whistle unless it's an obvious reason to stop play because you might want the play to continue so you have something you can review mm-hmm. and in this case it's, it's hard to review it because how how many players stopped when they heard the whistle you don't know yeah so it makes it impossible to review i don't know what to tell arkansas fans i feel bad for them it's one of those things that there's there's no good answer there because it's can, like can i tell them something spot. please do it sucks that you lost this game you have a coach though yeah, you got a good coach. That's I, a tough. Arkansas is a tough watch, team. I don't think they're good, but they're watch tough. Watch them play the first three weeks. They look like a, a completely different group of people. And I realize they got a grad transfer quarterback in Felipe Franks, but most of those guys were on the team last year. This same group that lost to Western Kentucky and the quarterback that Chad Morris ran off. And listen, they are playing so hard for Sam Pittman. That tells me that it's gonna work out. Mm-hmm. Long term, they're, they're going to be able to get it figured out. And look, anybody who dealt with Sam Pittman in the past knows he's a real dude. There's no BS with him. And that's the thing you needed with a situation like Arkansas, where you, you've got guys who are still recruited by Be- Brett Bielema, who 
you know, Chad Morris comes in, you have a miserable couple years. I'm sure if you'd have hired somebody who was kind of a car salesman, they would have checked out. But they didn't because mm-hmm. they hired Sam Pittman and look at what he's doing. And, and so we interviewed Sam Pittman on my podcast in January. And this was right before he hired Kendall Bryles as his OC. And I know I think he'd already identified him and was going to hire him. They're just getting the, the paperwork through. But I remember talking to him about what offensive philosophy he wanted. And it was almost like he was throwing shade at what they'd run at Georgia the previous couple of years because he said, well, you, you can't play bully ball anymore. You have to spread it out. You have to go up tempo. And that told me this is not a guy who's just going to have offensive line. I'm going to run the ball as, as much as I can. I'm going to put you know nine offensive linemen on the field like Stanford mentality. They're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're going to play a modern version of football, but in a tough fashion. And that's what you have to do to win in 2020 and going forward. So, I looked at the schedule before I saw Arkansas play and thought, this could be 0-10 for these guys. Okay, they're 1-2 right now, but I think they could win a few more, and I think you can recruit on that. You can say, look, our trajectory is going in the correct direction. It sucks that you lost that game, but you have a coach, and you should really be glad about that. I think you're right. Well, let's get into the hardware for uh, another week of SEC football We'll start with the best game. There's a, a couple candidates. There was a lot of entertaining games. But for best game, I went with uh, the one that got relocated at the last minute, Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz getting a huge win, beating the defending national champs, doing it with a goal line stand. Can, can, and, can we say that anymore? Well, they hey, lost to Mississippi State and Missouri hey, for good The defending sense. national champs are the defending national champs. And I don't think they're going to get to defend it. <laughs> The, an interesting note from our colleague Peter Baugh here, by the way. Connor Bazelak, the only SEC quarterback since the turn of the century to have 400 pass yards, four touchdowns, 85 completion percentage rate, and no picks in a game. The only two others that have done that against a Power 5 school, Geno Smith and Phil Rivers. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I don't care who you're playing. Right there. That is that is pretty good, especially for a guy in Connor Bazelak who's a, a young kid and you know hadn't played a lot of football. Um, here's my question to you. Two, really. One is: Is LSU the worst team in the SEC West? And and what do you do with Bo Pelini? So I don't know if they're the worst team in the SEC West, but they now look like they could lose to anyone in the SEC West. Mm-hmm. I mean, that any game seems like danger. I mean, can you imagine when they play Ole Miss? What's that going to look like? I mean, we may see it next week. They're going to Florida. Florida is basically them with a better offense. Mm-hmm. So Florida, Florida's offense is going to have no trouble with LSU's defense. I doubt LSU's offense is going to have much trouble with Florida's defense. So we're probably in for another shootout similar to the one LSU played this week. I, the, the Pelini thing's crazy because they're paying him so much money. But, I mean, you can say, oh, there was a pandemic – they didn't have time to learn the scheme. Well, Ole Miss's players had time to learn their offensive scheme. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't make that excuse. You are getting paid more than any coordinator in America. You at least need to put a serviceable defense on the field. I, I don't care what the excuse is. You And, uh, oh, by the way, you also have better players than almost everybody you play. So just do something vanilla and out-athlete them if, you can't, if they can't handle the ingenious schemes that you're trying to put in. Yeah. Like, 
You have better players. You should I, not be getting beat like this. And I think there's something to to to, to point out here. A question that one of our colleagues who will name uh, remain nameless posed to me, worsened by the fact that today, according to uh, our Brody Miller, our LSU writer. LSU is now the first team to fall out of the top 25 after winning the national championship since 2001, Auburn. Is LSU heading down the Chiswick path? Wait, you mean since 2013, uh, 2011, Auburn? Uh, I believe that's right. The, the okay. year after that, the, Chiswick, the Chiswick comeback. Got year. you. Yeah, I, I saw somebody saying, you know, is, is Coach O going the Chiswick route? No, because... I think they'll get this fixed. I don't know if they'll get this fixed necessarily this season all the way, but you saw with Matt Canada, he didn't let that linger. He realized he'd made a mistake and he got, you know, he, he changed it. So we'll see what they do this time. And remember coach O is a defensive side of the ball coach. Now he's never been a defensive play caller, but he does understand defensive football. That's the side of the ball he's been on his entire career. So he can step in and really look, I know we crushed him when he tried to step in, with Matt Canada, and they lost to Troy. But Mm -hmm. an intervention may be necessary at this point. We've seen too much now. Yeah, I I think it's a fair question. Bo Pelini's been out of the game a while. We'll see. We'll see. What did you... uh, He's not been out of the game. He's been playing (laughs) FCS football. (laughs) Youngstown is a different ballgame. He's been running the team. I mean, so he hasn't been a defensive coordinator since LSU in 2007. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Where where did you vote for best game the clock rules changed. (laughs) Did you have another vote for best game? My favorite game was Alabama Ole Miss. I, I just loved every second of that. It was great watching Lane Kiffin's offense just go crazy on Alabama's defense. Nick Saban screaming into his mask. and uh, <laughs> the, I felt like it was almost like screaming into the void, although I know the, the people in the press box could hear through their headsets what he was yelling at them. But it was, it was really fun to watch. And that tells you with, El, with Ole Miss, okay, Yes, they're going to need to upgrade their defensive talent. We, we've always known that. We knew their defense wasn't going to be very good this year. But if they do, they're going to be a team that can be very competitive in the SEC West. And I think that that's very interesting. Now, that said, they can beat people this year with that offense. Now, they're going to have to win 55-49, to 49, mm-hmm. but they can do it. So Ole Miss is going to be must-see TV for the rest of the year. I think in that game as well, uh, Najee Harris got my uh, individual performance of the week. 248 yards of offense, five touchdowns. That's a lot. He was incredible. <laughs> that, that was what we were told he would be as a recruit. And we saw him in the second half of that national title game as a freshman where I, I still firmly believe Nick Saban decided to go more with Najee because he wanted Tua to be comfortable mm-hmm. and play with a guy that he'd played with with the twos that whole that whole season because otherwise why wouldn't you just go with with the with your regular starters but now we've seen not and Najee came back to show he could do this this was one of those where he, he could have left but he came back to prove that this was the kind of runner he can be and I tell you what with that offensive line and then Mac Jones what was he 28 of 32 for over 400 yards I mean that, that's a really tough offense to stop and you know, we, we heap all the praise on the Ole Miss offense because they're doing that to Alabama's defense. But let's be honest, Alabama's offense is going to do this to a lot of people. Yes. I, I'm really interested to see them against Georgia next week because the only team that has moved the ball consistently against Georgia either in 2019 or 2020 
was LSU last year, the greatest offense in the history of college football. Mm-hmm. So Georgia's defense is that good that you you kind of have to be the greatest defense or greatest offense in the history of college football to move it on them. So what can Alabama do? I I have a sense that Alabama is going to be able to score on them a little. Probably not like Joe Burrow and company, but enough to to make that really interesting and, and potentially win the game. Yeah, that game's going to be fantastic. We'll talk about it plenty more as we get into this week on Football and Grits. Andy, your vote for best individual performance of the week. I, I'm I'm with you on Najee. He mm-hmm. was just absolutely incredible. Uh, that was, <laughs> I mean, that that whole Alabama offensive performance was amazing. But that was. That was what we've been waiting to see from Najee, and, and it was good to know he's, he's got it in him. You know, uh, across the uh, west side of the SEC, Tom Herman didn't get it done in Texas, but did anybody else need a win more badly on Saturday than the $75 million man, Jimbo Fisher? He gets one, a huge one, upsets Florida at home. Uh, his first really big win at AM. The Aggies get my best team performance of the week, Isaiah Spiller. 27 carries, 174 yards, a pair of scores. Uh, I mean, the how is just not as not as important as just the what. They had to beat somebody. It was not looking well, good for the Aggies Well, here's early. the thing, David. Let's think about this. It's a fumble and a field goal. Because Florida was going to go kick that field goal if they don't fumble. Mm-hmm. And Florida was going to win that game. So we're really talking about one play that cha- that may change everything. And that's, that, that's what happens. I mean, I did a story a few years ago when I was at SI – about a third down play that Chris Leak ran in 2004 and how the ripple effect it had on college football for years. And that's the sort of thing that can happen. And that fumble may be one of those plays because is Texas A&M really that much better than Florida? No. I'm not sure they're better at all. (laughs) If that fumble doesn't happen, Florida kicks that field goal and Florida wins. And we're acting like Jimbo Fisher is a dead man walking today. Instead, you look at that schedule and you say, you know what? Their next three games are pretty winnable. They could be 5-1 and one going into a, a pretty rough last four-game stretch. But you'll take that. 5-1 and one going into that stretch, and then maybe you've built some confidence up. I thought that offensive line looked great. Uh, you know, Isaiah Spiller w- was really good, but a lot of the reason was A&M was blowing Florida off the ball, and it gave Isaiah Spiller and Anaya Smith quite a bit of room to run. And, so that, and, and that A&M offensive line is a group that they've played together a bunch, Bunch of consecutive starts. I think you know the the least cons- number of consecutive starts started last year, but they've got you know I think I think their right tackle is a is a four year starter now, so they've got a bunch of guys who played, but they've never been particularly dominant together. They looked that way on Saturday. So if they can get this figured out over these next three weeks, which these are games they can they play Arkansas, South Carolina, and Mississippi State. They can win all three if they play them well they could be a team to reckon with later in the season. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, worst team performance of the week, I went with Mississippi State. 44 in the opener, 14 week two, no touchdowns, no points other than the safety. Has the pirate ship officially run aground? You, you, were, you were skeptical that, they were, that this was going to be something that, that, that they saw, you know, what Arkansas did to them, but they saw for the rest of their time. I mean Kentucky, similar similar game plan. If you, I mean, if you can't put up a touchdown against anyone in the SEC, much less Kentucky, I, I, I'm not sure where you go from here. What it's been a crazy yeah, roller coaster. And, and Mike, for the Mike Leach folks. said the 
the we're going to purge the players that, that aren't. Listen, you, I know that's the, what he's gone to every time he's not had success. It's not always the players, <laughs> you know. Yep. In this case, you've got to figure it out. You're the one getting paid all that money. You figure it out why it's not working. And it may be in the Pac-12 that only Washington could pull that off, that they were the only ones capable of playing that kind of defense, and there's just better players in the SEC that you've got to contend with. But like I said before, Mike Leach has better players than he's ever had before. So you're going to have to be a little bit flexible. And I realize that the air raid is what it is, You've decided that it's not going. You're not going to change that much, even though Lincoln Riley and Dana Holgerson have have done quite a bit to extend the air raid and, and make it more versatile. You're going to have to figure out how to do that. You're going to have to figure out how to run the ball against a three man front because honestly, if you're in the SEC and you can't just hand off against a three man front, you, you're dead. You're absolutely dead. There, there's nothing you can do, and. I don't care if that worked in the Big 12 or the Pac-12. It will not work here unless you can say, oh, you're going to rush three and drop eight? Great. We'll take six yards of carry every single time. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. And he's got the and back to the do it. the offensive line to do that, by the way. <laughs> he's got the back and the offensive line to do it for sure. It's uh, They are going to have to adjust. There's no question about that. I, I think uh, – some, I mean, at, at this point, you know, they're not going to be facing, you know, even the teams that love to play man, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Tennessees, I, I'll be curious, you know, to see how those teams uh, They don't love it so them. much that they want to lose. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Mesh is going to be and a killer what, if you try to do that. But here, okay, here's a great example. Nick Saban won a game, what, is, what was the final score, 65 to 49? Uh, yes, I believe something along okay. those lines. Would Nick Saban have won a game like that in 2010? No. Absolutely not. But he adjusted. Mm-hmm. In 2012, Hugh Freeze and Kevin Sumlin show up in the SEC, and they're running offenses that Nick Saban does not have the defensive personnel to deal with. And so he began adjusting his recruiting immediately. And he, then he adjusted his offense. And now Alabama is capable of winning a 65-49 to 49 game. I would argue, though, that if you look at Alabama – if you want to come in and play them a different way, they'll be happy to beat you 21 to 10 as well. You have to be able to win multiple ways when we you're playing this, this level of, of talent on the field and this level of talent in terms of coaching. Mm-hmm. Anybody disappoint you more than Mississippi State this weekend, Andy? Florida's defense. And I think we saw that coming. I think anybody who watched them play the first couple games yeah. saw, saw that this was coming. And, I get that everybody wants to fire Todd Grantham. I don't put this on Todd Grantham. I put this on the entire staff because this is a personnel depth problem. This isn't a this isn't a scheme problem. You know, when you're getting blown off the ball like that, it doesn't matter how you line them up or what play you call. You you won't win. So that's the issue. This is this is a getting beat on the recruiting trail problem that they're having right now. And I'm not sure there's a schematic fix for it when you have to play who you have to play. Because there's some really good offenses coming down the chute for Florida. And, you know, LSU, for all of their issues, their offense is not bad and, and, and feels like it's getting better. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're going you're gonna to Terrace Marshall has to play against that defense next week? I'm sure he's licking his chops. I mean, it, it's something that Florida's got to get fixed because they're not beating Georgia 
playing defense like that. Because if you let Georgia score at will on you, which, by the way, if, if Texas A&M is blowing you off the ball like that, Georgia will too. You're not going to score like you did against Texas A&M because Georgia's defense is much better. So, mm-hmm. you know, Florida has to beat Georgia now. That's the interesting thing. You know, with LSU not being as good, Florida actually got the scheduling advantage this year. And Georgia has to play at Alabama. But by losing at Texas A&M, Florida gave Georgia a mulligan. Georgia can lose to Alabama with no repercussions whatsoever. You know, before, if Georgia loses to Alabama and then Florida beats everybody else but loses to Georgia, then you're still only one Georgia slip-up away from Florida in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Now, Florida has to beat Georgia to get to Atlanta. And did anything about what you saw yesterday suggest that's a team that can beat Georgia? No, I can't say it did not. (laughs) I can't say it did. Uh, Finally, our agent of chaos of the week. There's only one, Mr. Lane Kiffin. We've gone over... How he ruined Nick Saban's Saturday night. Uh, Really a miserable night for Saban, even with the win. But last week he also alerted us that a group chat exists between himself, Will Muschamp, and Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt. Beyond profanity, what lies inside that group chat, Andy? Well, that's okay. Here's the thing. you got to figure out who's who in the group chat. I'm assuming Lane Lane is the gift guy. Yeah, Jeremy said guy Lane who, brings the comedy. He interrupted Pruitt's right. radio show on Wednesday, and he said Kirby said Lane's on a suspension right now, so we'll see. Yeah. But I think he can get so out. So Lane, Lane always has the perfect gift for every occasion. <laughs> that like absolutely perfect. Now Muschamp, who is a funny guy verbally, I'm not sure he's a, a, a funny guy when he's typing. A lot of exclamation like, points. I feel like. Well, he strikes me more as a. As fording the jokes like your grandpa did when email first came out. Like pa- pass this on the, or you'll have seven more years bad of jokes. bad luck. Yeah. I think, um, he, I think he feels like an exclamation point guy. Although, you know, Muschamp, he's got the... Uh, I feel like anytime he says something he doesn't like, I like to think he has the... Uh, the whiteboard punch gif on lock. If anybody says anything that he, he doesn't like, he can hit him with that one. He, he, you know, I, I don't think he's much of an emoji guy, but my guess is he loves the emoji with the steam coming out of the nose. <laughs> That's got to be his favorite. Kirby. No question. I, I think all, Kirby's only contribution to this group chat is Lane and, and Pruitt and Muschamp are getting rolling on a topic. Like, really, like, remember when Saban did this? Remember when he made us wear ties to this function and none of us wanted to go? And remember that? And Kirby's just going, come on, guys. Like, it's just, (laughs) come on, guys, dot, dot, dot. That's all he, and then, like, every once in a while, he just throws that in there. I like it. I like it. And then maybe dropping a golf tip every now and then. (laughs) Visor, visor wearing tips. Yeah. How do you get the perfect bend on a visor? I like it. I like well, it. yeah. I mean, because now Lane's a visor guy too, but I mean, come on. I think Kirby's the best visor guy of that bunch. Kirby, the pure visor guy. Pruitt evolving into a babushka guy at this point. And then we. Have- <laughs> well, that's a, how much of the group chat will be spent this week <laughs> clowning Jeremy Pruitt's checkerboard babushka? <laughs> I have to think it's a, it's a high level. I have to think so. Uh, I don't know. Like I don't know that the, the CDC the signed off on that version of that national, that famous National Geographic cover. <laughs> Photoshop, uh, folks, 
Get to work on that. I need I need to see <laughs> That's that. Right. I need to see Jerry Pearl of National Geographic. Oh man. Well that will do it for this week's football and grits. Another week of SEC football behind us and still plenty more in front of us. Again, thank you for subscribing. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating, tell a friend, and listen to Andy Staples' show, uh, The Andy Staples Show. Uh, I don't know where you guys came up with that name, but Football I like and it. mayonnaise. And fo- We're just going to yeah, call football The mayonnaise. Andy Staples Show, colon, football and mayonnaise. Thank you for listening to Football and Grits. I am David Ubbin. For Andy Staples, that'll do it for this week. We'll see you guys again tomorrow with Aaron Suttles, our Alabama writer, at- answering your questions and-, and talking plenty more SEC football for the rest of the week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys again soon.